0: On this week's episode of the Hairdo Uncut podcast, I am honored to be joined by Nikki Wildflower, a color correction, balayage, and blonding specialist in Huntington, New York. She gives awesome perspective and a great interview on all things blonde, and I think you'll love her and love this interview as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making Hairdo Uncut part of your repertoire of podcasts. I am excited for this interview today uh, because if those of you who listened to the last episode uh, know that we are going to interview a few different stylists about this topic of blonding. And uh, I went scouring... Scouring the Instagrams and trying to find uh, some people who I thought were going to be really interesting, who are really talented, and we're going to provide some really good perspective on blonding services. And today, I am joined by Nikki Wildflower, a stylist in Huntington, New York, correct? Huntington?
1: That's correct. Okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, You can find her on Instagram at Nikki Wildflower. That's N-I-C-K-I Wildflower on Instagram, all one word. And thank you so much for joining me today, Nikki.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me on.
0: <laughs> so just so everybody knows, as as per usual with most of these phone call interviews, Nikki and I have actually never met before. Um, but like I said, I uh, just wanted to find uh, some really strong stylists who specialized in blonding and to be able to talk about some things that I think... Clients maybe misunderstand and maybe some new stylists that um, are still going through education. I think uh, we really felt, me and the owner, Suzanne, really felt that Nikki would provide, you Nikki, would provide great perspective on on everything. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for agreeing to do this, even though you have no idea who we are.
1: That's okay. I'm honored that you chose me.
0: <laughs> okay. So first, uh, what we're going to do is let's just establish you, Nikki, as uh, a stylist. So uh, talk to me about your career to this point. And after when we chatted a few days ago, I, I think you had some really interesting migration going on with, with your career and what, what's kind of happened. So kind of walk us through uh, having become a stylist in your career to this point.
1: Yeah, so I um, I've been doing hair sort of on and off for 13 years, and my career has been kind of crazy. I've kind of jumped all over the place. Um, I started being an apprentice when I was 17, 18 years old, and working under some really talented artists, and they really taught me everything that they know. But it wasn't. But my first four years as an apprentice, I had no interest in hair color. Um, I worked in a departmentalized salon and I chose to be a styling apprentice. Um, I felt pretty unsatisfied with that. And I later, I later found color and I was like, where has this been? (laughs) I am so happy. So, um, yeah, I kind of jumped all over the place and even took a short break for two years, um, to pursue a marketing career, um, Oh, interesting. I guess you could probably guess how that turned out. Yeah, since you're still are. a
0: stylist, you're uh, not in the marketing realm.
1: Very much a stylist, yes.
0: Now you had gone out to you you had lived out in New York, correct? And then you were down out in Colorado, and then you you're now back in New York, correct?
1: Yes, yes. Um, I'm back in New York now. This is where I was born and raised. Um, but I did get to move out to Denver for seven years, and I got to train with uh, Aveda at an advanced academy. That's when I really learned hair color, got to learn all of their color techniques, their color line. um, And I really kind of got to explore that world. And that's when I kind of fell in love with hair.
0: Yeah. Well, so how long have you been owner of the Wildflower Hair Den in, in New York?
1: We opened up, let's see, I moved back to New York in... April 2017 and we opened up in August 2017 so it's been a little bit over a year
0: okay cool Uh, did you um so what's been what was the first inspiration behind becoming hair becoming a hairstylist and then you know you said like you said you kind of wanted to maybe go the marketing route and then you came back to hair what continues to be that inspiration as well so what was at the beginning and what continues to be your inspiration now as a hairstylist
1: well I'm not going to say that I initially got into being a hairdresser out of pure passion. I mean, I was just a ill-behaved 16-year-old and I wanted to <laughs> and I wanted to get out of school for half of the day. Yes. In all honesty, but um and in the beginning I really didn't feel that strongly about doing hair. It was I mean, it wasn't until years later that I really learned like the artistic nature of hair color uh that I started to develop a passion for hair and i'm just constantly being inspired by actually the world of instagram has been huge we didn't have that when i started out um but just to see all of the other stylists work and techniques and we're constantly encouraging each other it's such a great little community and it keeps everything artistic and keeps you on your toes and just keeps the world challenging and fun so just having that having that at my fingertips um, and getting to interact with other stylists through that and learn new things is, and also teach things on there has been what keeps me inspired every day.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I, that I like about Instagram there there's some there's some things I don't like but there are some things that I really do like about Instagram and it's easy to find inspiration to kind of keep you moving whether it's education or uh, a new way of doing things or just kind of getting creative juices flowing in your, in your, in your dome
1: <laughs> Absolutely
0: So um it, on on your Instagram uh so let's transition into services um and we're going to talk about a few different blonding uh techniques and it'll be really interesting to hear what you have to say, kind of your process and uh, your perspective on things. But on your Instagram, it talks about how much you love color corrections, balayage, and that you are an overall, overall colorist. Um, what What is it about balayage and color that you love so much? Like you, you alluded to how much you love it now, but what what continues to, why do you just, why do you feel a closer passion to that than just styling and haircutting?
1: I, I'm not saying that cutting and styling is not challenging in its own right but I just feel I just feel that color is so satisfying to do and so and it really is it's not easy it's really difficult and um the fact that you're never you never feel like you've learned everything that you need to learn and like I can't be stagnant so it it just really challenges me and you need to know so much color theory yeah. to yeah to actually like achieve these looks and I think that it's just I I feel really I feel really strongly I feel really strongly about doing hair color because it's a constant challenge I get to completely transform people I mean it completely changes the way someone looks yeah. their hair color and I just I just love it
0: well, and you know the one thing, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this. But what you know, what, when you're talking about that passion behind hair, you know, hair color now, not only from like a technique standpoint, but the knowledge of how people take care of their hair. So if somebody's not taking care of their hair, if somebody's not feeling very passionate about color, and that person sits down, they don't take care of their hair. They don't, um, you know, it, it's matted, and they're like, "I want this picture," and you're like, "Uh, no, probably so, not." <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I think it takes a real passion to be able to get past those types of, those types of situations and be able to navigate something that's, you know, can be uh, looked at by clients maybe as something that's like, oh, it's just putting on color. It's not that big of a deal when you're like, no, like if I do this, then this is, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. So having a real drive for that, I think is, is super duper important. So it's good that you, it's good that you have that. It'll keep, keeps everything fresh. Absolutely. So uh, when, a, when a first-time client comes in, what is your process to start the appointment with that person? Um, assuming, Let's just assume that they ask for uh, a balayage. And what do you personally do before you start coloring?
1: There's about a 20-minute gap before I actually touch color to someone's head because we're going to sit down and have a consultation, although a lot of times I've already had a consultation with them in advance. But, okay, yeah, and that um, was
0: going to be one thing that I say, like, you know, do you oftentimes do it beforehand? Do you do the consultation, you know, right before? Generally, what? how do you – do you usually well, do them earlier?
1: Well, you know what? I would say it's a little bit of both because people usually text message me or direct message me for their appointments. And at that point, I typically ask them to send me a few inspiration pictures and also a picture of their current hair um, so that I have an idea if what they're asking for is realistic. Um, because, because I don't want to yeah. waste anyone's time, no, but also sure. when they come, also when they come into the salon, you know, we sit down, we look at pictures, we talk about, um, the upkeep and the history, the history of their hair color, what they've had done prior. Um, it's my job to give them realistic expectations of what we're going to be able to get done. I also yes. want to look at the condition of their hair, make sure that it's, that the integrity is there. For which us is, to actually do a service on, which
0: sometimes is really, really hard to get across. Even if they email or or DM a picture, you know, it's like you could see it, and you'd be like, "Oh, okay, I might be able to work with that." And then they sit down, and you're like, "Oh my goodness!" Like you get your hands in there, and it's like, "Well, it's a little bit different than the picture." I'm assuming you've had situations like that. uh
1: Absolutely, that happens. <laughs> that happens all the time. That's why we still need to have a thorough consultation prior because pictures obviously aren't always the full idea.
0: Yes, yes. So. Uh, You know, how important is the placement, whether you're painting or foiling and how do you how do you go in and determine that? Because so let me let me actually let me backtrack before we answer that question, then I'll re-ask it. Like so many clients come in with a picture. Right. And and we'll just stick with the with the balayage um, situation, uh, a hair color. Um, so many clients will take a, show a picture thinking it's just going to be a little color and they're done because it's subtle, you know, because it, you know, it's like, well, it's not that bright, so it shouldn't be that hard. And then they're in the chair for three to six hours. So how important is that? How does placement and when you're painting or foiling, how does it determine what exactly you need to get done? And how are you setting up that, those expectations for that person, either prior to the appointment or right before the appointment?
1: Right. Um, so the placement is the placement is obviously really important because with balayage, most of the time you want the color to kind of mimic what the sun would do. Yes. And a lot of looks people show are very natural and sun kissed. That still takes a lot of time because we're hand painting, we're hand painting the hair to mimic the sun, and we need to make sure that we're getting enough lift and giving it enough time to sit and lift. Yes, but. And then, and then there's foiling, which a lot of what I do is uh, foliage. so not technically just painting onto the hair, but doing that with foils as yes. a barrier. And the way that I typically determine what technique I'm going to use is how much lift somebody wants out of their hair and kind of how much coverage. If the picture they show me is a more sort of like sun-kissed look, then I, and they only want a few levels of lift just to be a little bit lighter and their hair has never been colored before. I'm probably going to opt for a traditional balayage, which is still going to take probably three hours from start to finish. Yep. Um, But if somebody wants more levels of lift, like five, six levels and they've got dark brown hair and it's been previously colored, then I'm definitely going to be using foils because I need the extra lift.
0: Yeah, and I think foils, um, and and as cool as hair painting is, it really takes a specific type of hair to really be able to do the air hair painting to get, because a lot of people want a little bit more lift or, you know, they've had so much color in the back and the foils just give you a little bit more control, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, they give you a lot more control. Like if you don't know what you're getting into with someone's hair or how much previous color that they've had, or they told you they've never had previous color before and... And and yeah. that was not <laughs> not entirely truthful. Yes, um, it it might not. It, it's probably not going to work. It just doesn't work for everyone.
0: So yeah, you know, and when and when when hair painting and and the balayage look came out, and everybody on Instagram and YouTube was hair painting it on and stuff, and people were coming in being like, I want this experience. And we would we would end up using foils because one maybe they probably couldn't. Uh, two, it gave us a little bit more control, which we could achieve. You can achieve the same look, and I think that's something that clients need to understand. Like whether you you whether the client whether the stylist, I'm sorry, use, uses foils or hair painting, you can still achieve the same the same look. It's not you know it's not really changing anything. It just like you like you and I have said, it just foils sometimes can give the stylist a little bit more control and see a little bit better that way
1: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. it's for for me it's if i'm using foils i'm like i know i'm going to be able to get this person's hair to lift this much whereas with open air balayage you you know you're like i know i'll probably get three maybe four levels of lift tops yeah um and i who wants to take that risk that often? Not no, me. sometimes
0: No, and especially if they've if you've getting the inkling that they want to do more blonde in the future, you might want to push that blonde a little bit lighter because if they throw lightener over that not so process, then they can have some troubles down the road. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So, um so during the processing, so once you once you've positioned everything and you're processing, what are you looking for? Cuz I'm assuming you check multiple times um throughout the processing session. What are you what are you looking for and what are you looking for when it comes to their hair?
1: So, typically when I check up during the processing time, I'm just I'm basically making sure or seeing if it's at the right level for me to wash it out, that it's lifting evenly, that I don't need to resaturate because sometimes, you know, it'll get dried out or, or you're like, oh, this could use a little bit more lightener on it. Um, but also that the integrity of the hair is still intact, that the hair is lifted to where I need it to be. And I'll check just to make, see how it's doing, like in timing or see if I need to bump anything up or um, do anything like that. So I check it pretty often throughout the process because um, also you don't want it to lift too much
0: yeah no absolutely
1: so yeah i think it's important to keep an eye on it because everyone's yeah. <laughs> hair is everyone's hair is so different
0: yeah and, that, and that's why because some some clients are like why do you keep checking on it like it, t- it tends to be if, if if a stylist isn't communicating they're like why do you keep checking on it? is everything okay and it's like yeah i'm just making sure it's you know perfect
1: yeah yeah everything's <laughs> fine and just definitely something we need to keep an eye on
0: so uh, when it comes to finishing, uh, a toner, conditioning, bond protection, do you use any of these, and what are the benefits for the client's hair in, in in these situations?
1: Right. Yeah. I would. I pretty much always use a toner. Number one, because I feel that's what's really going to give us the desired result that we want. So the lightener is going to lift the color, or you know, it, it's it's kind of just taking color out when we yeah. do the lightener. Now we've got to deposit some color back in, and now we can customize it, cool it down, warm it up, um, whatever we need to do to get it to the look that the client wants. Yes. Uh, I'm always upfront about the, the toner. I'm like, yes, you absolutely are going to need a toner. Yeah. I, I included <laughs> in I included in the cost estimate. I'm like, you don't want to you don't want to walk out of here without it. It adds shine. It personalizes the color. It completely just seals and finishes the
0: look. Yeah, you know, I and and it's something that I didn't really realize until not like real recently, but you know, clients are like, oh, don't use a toner because they don't, you know, they feel like it's like because maybe the stylist didn't do everything that they needed to. And I'm like, that's not that's not why the toners exist. The toners exist to give you exactly what you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they're really important. I think they also close seal that cuticle back up. Yes. So I think that those are really important and a bond builder I always use it in my lightening services.
0: Which one do you prefer?
1: I like the Truss 8 times powder. Okay. Um so it's just a powder that you put into your lightener but it adds a lot of protection and it improves the lifting process.
0: Okay. I think
1: it does a really great it does a really great job of doing that and there's only one step. So um got to like that. I love that, so I I definitely love that product.
0: Okay, Um, how is how is the process for a balayage in this in this situation? How is it different for a repeat client? Okay, so we've already talked about a new client. You got a repeat client coming in. One, how often do you tell uh, a client to come in for a touch up on their balayage? Because I mean, balayage ombre, uh, pretty low maintenance pretty low maintenance, hair painting, very low maintenance colors. Like they don't have to come in like they do for highlights clients that, you know, they don't have to come in every six weeks to get a touch up. So how often do you have them tell them to come in and then how is that process different uh, when they come in in the, in that time frame than the first time they came in?
1: Right. Um, well, I would say with Balayage and Ombre and all of the colors that are out these lived in looks, I mean, they are more low maintenance than your traditional foil highlights, but I, I think it's important to come in every, I still have my clients come in every six to eight weeks. Like, let's say we move up their balayage every five, six months. Okay. Um, and we do that whole process from scratch in between. It's still really important to get these, to come back in and get another toner or a glaze.
0: Yes. Um,
1: so I usually have them come back in for that process alone, and a, a style, maybe a little, a little haircut. Um,
0: yeah, you really the, need to keep those ends trimmed and healthy. Yeah. Especially with the blonde.
1: So if you don't come in for a toner in between, it's going to wash out because it's just the nature. It's a demi permanent color. Yeah. Um, and it, it's going to wash out in time, and it's going to oxidize whether you take care of it or not and it's just not going to look as good but if you come in and get a toner every six to eight weeks uh, in between your balayage services it just really keeps it keeps it looking new fresh nice for the entire six months in between yeah and rather than if you otherwise it's going to look good for you know eight weeks and then all of a sudden you're like "Ah, it's starting to be a little bit on the yellow side and uh, it's not really looking so fresh anymore that's because it's time to come in and get another toner
0: sure yeah no that that's exactly the same thing that we do you know and I and and that the part of the reason why we're doing a lot of you know a few of these interviews because you know we've had clients be like, Oh, I don't need to do that and I'm like, no there's style. no no, this is a real thing, so I was like, I want stylists to come on here and be like, no, this is a real this is a real thing you you kind of gotta do stuff to take care of your hair
1: <laughs> you do, and then you know what people will come in and They'll get the toner the first time and they're just like, wow, I guess I really didn't realize how badly I needed this because (laughs) then they walk out and they're like, oh my God, it feels like new again.
0: Yes. Um, Yeah. No, that's totally so, uh, Let's, let's move on to, so the newer, not, I I mean, not like new within the last like month or so, but like a general new thing is this root shading smudging and entering that into the equation with, with balayage and ombre. So what sort of look does this project and how do you factor in needing to root shade or smudge?
1: Oh, I love a root smudge. I I always joke around and I'm like, everyone's getting a root smudge, um, (laughs) <laughs> because I think it gives this like really natural melted look um, and adds and it adds more dimension and it just it also you know increases the longevity of the hairstyle in that you don't need to get it redone as often because it blends so seamlessly into the next color but um, I incorporate it pretty often to just to get this really like sharp blended, dimensional look. Uh, I love these new, I mean, it is a newer technique. It really is.
0: I I didn't know how new it was because sometimes I feel like I'm coming in late to the party. So I'm like, I know it's not a couple months, but it's still fairly new.
1: Yeah. It's definitely be, it's definitely been, become more popular recently. I'm not saying it wasn't around before, but if it was around for a really long time, I'm late to the party too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, I love the I love this new technique. It's it's great and I, I love what it does to the hair. I, I think I, I like I said, I always am joking around like, yeah, everybody needs a root smudge.
0: <laughs>
1: Even now my friends who don't do hair, they're like, you know, this person could really use a root smudge. What do you think? <laughs>
0: you've you've indoctrinated a bunch of non hairstylists into thinking everybody needs one
1: absolutely
0: everybody's looking at everybody's roots like yep smudge that yep smudge that yep smudge that
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's not always right but it it is pretty
0: often so this next question um is mainly for clients but i think it's something that would be important for stylists to know beforehand before coloring what can the, what should the client do to ensure that they will end up with their desired result? Um, consultation ideas, pictures, preparing beforehand, et cetera. like what should the client know you know about their hair going going into the appointment and um, you know to get that get that result?
1: Um, I think it's really I think one of the most important things when you're gonna get your hair colored is to be honest with your colorist about the about your history. you know, don't. Don't lie about something being box color. Um,
0: that's a that's a big no no. Definitely yeah. don't lie about that.
1: Yeah, and, and it happens, and people do, and they think that we're not going to be able to tell when we're doing the color, but we but we will. It really does affect it. So, um, I think it's really important to be honest, to communicate, to ask questions. Um, and on the on the end, obviously, to give realistic expectations to the client. So, um, in preparation for that, just also making sure that your hair is healthy. Oftentimes, when someone's coming in to to get their hair lightened, leading up to it, I want them to I want them to be using the right products and making sure that their hair is in a healthy state when I when I dive into it.
0: Yeah. Do you um? I and you know I actually forgot to include this, but do you um? Do you use clarifiers at all?
1: Sometimes, but I, but not that often. If somebody obviously has a serious product buildup, then yes, but okay. it's not something that's typically incorporated. Okay. Yeah.
0: I forgot to ask about that with the uh, the bond builders and that that question. I forgot to add that one in there because I I would assume, especially if you've got a lot of buildup, like you said um having going through a clarifying process before putting the color in is going to help tremendously in getting the desired result that they have i'm assuming you would agree
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: uh i know that not everybody can have the balayage and it might not be like at that moment it might be maybe it takes some time so what what would a reason be that you would not do this service on someone
1: um i one reason would be that I don't feel like our uh, like my what I'm giving them as far as expect as far as meeting their expectations. I don't feel that I'm going to be able to do that. Um, so if someone shows me a picture and I go through their hair and I'm like, this is not realistic for you today, um, for a number of reasons, uh, I'm not going to do it if they're not comfortable with that. Like knowing that it's going to take more than one sitting. Yeah. Um, Another another thing is if their hair if their hair is compromised or damaged and I don't think that putting color in it is going to be a good idea.
0: Yeah, especially uh, lightener that could that could go south.
1: Yeah, or and again, just kind of not everyone can get the service done because it you know, they're saying they want balayage but then the picture says something completely different. Yeah, so True that. Yeah, so there's that I definitely but one of the main things is just, you know, the integrity of the hair, if it's not where I think it needs to be to have hair color put into it, then I'm not going to do it because I don't want hair to break off.
0: Have you had, um, have you had to turn away a a chunk of people because of that? Like, have you, have you had a few situations where, you know, they're like, I want this and you're like, well, this is what it's really going to take. It's going to take, you know, some time to actually get to where it is. You know, we're talking not like a couple days. We're talking about a few months and there, then you guys just kind of wash your hands of each other and, and part ways. Does that happen often? Does it happen sometimes? How often does it happen for you? That
1: doesn't happen that often. There are a lot of times where I say, you know, this is not realistic, but most of the time people are okay with that to achieve their results. Um, but I always give them a, if it's really just not feasible to do the color that they showed me, we look at other options and we're like, okay, this is something that's a little bit more realistic for you. Um, maybe this is something you would be interested in trying instead because I, as a professional, feel that you're better suited for this look. And we're usually able to find something that we both can compromise and agree on. And they end up loving it. They're like, I'm glad I listened to you.
0: Yes. (laughs) Gosh, man, we had a, we had an episode about that. Um, and, and an article that I read about this lady who just, she was like, I just decided to stop controlling what my stylist did to my hair and it transformed my life. Like it made me so much happier. My hair is better. I feel better about it and I feel way more relaxed at the salon. So totally.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do my best work when people are like, I trust you. Here's like a general idea of what I'm looking for, but I want you to have artistic freedom. I think all of us kind of perform our best at that point.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So how long, um, how long does a a typical first time balayage take for you? And, um, what, uh, Best and worst case. So let's go like a best case scenario, worst case scenario. And how is that service charged for, or changed for a touch up in time? So we're just, what, I, okay. So the question is <laughs> how the first time best and worst case scenario for a balayage. And then what's the change in time for a touch up?
1: Okay. So let's see. Best case scenario, you're out the door in two and a half hours.
0: Wow. That's fast. You're, that's, that's impressive.
1: Right. But that's, that's like, you know, the person and, doesn't have a ton of hair. Their hair is already pretty light. I mean, that's not, that's definitely not
0: what it usually is. And and I would assume a pretty light foils in, inside of the balayage for a two and a, two and a half hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is like a non-complicated process Yes, <laughs> if it's that short. Um, I would say my typical balayages take like three, three and a half hours. I am very fast um, with the application. I, it, it's just, I'm just quick. I've been doing it a long time. and It's good. It, yeah, I can kind of get through it pretty quickly. But um, there are times when it's five, six hours. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I usually let people know that it's going like, you might be here all day, cancel your plans. <laughs> um, and
0: yeah. And for a touch up, do you just, is it only a couple, a couple hours at that point or every six months do you give them kind of like the full, the full thing and it, however t- long it took the first time it's, it's good on that, on the touch up and that, that's what they should expect on the touch up six months from then.
1: No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I I don't think it's the full process. It's not the full process every single time because when they come in for, if we get it to their desired result and then they keep up with it in between and get their glosses and their toners and take care of their hair, use the right products, they come in, in let's say six months and we're going to move up the balayage. I don't need to, I'm really, I don't need to repeat that entire process. I'm just kind of like blending it back in. blending it up so it's so at that point it's usually like a two and a half hour three and a half hour appointment depending on how much hair they have
0: yeah. It's kind of like going to the dentist. If you don't go to the dentist to get regular cleanings and then you go after like five years, then you sit in the chair forever and they have to tear at your teeth a bunch. And then you don't go another five years. You're like, oh, going to the dentist is terrible. But I'm like, well, if you go every six months and get them cleaned, it's only like 30 minutes and it's, it's nice.
1: It's really, a br- it's really a breeze. <laughs> same, same
0: thing with hair. You keep it, you keep up with it. It's, it's a breeze every time.
1: It's so, it's so important.
0: It really is. So uh, let's talk about a little bit about maintenance and upkeep for for these services. Um, what kind of commitment is the client getting into? Um, especially if they're darkening or smudging the roots, how do they how do they upkeep this? And what kind of uh, what do you suggest that most people? I and and I know that as long as as far as products go it depends on hair length hair uh, porosity hair you know there's a lot of different factors hair health uh, thick thin you know so there's lots of different but what do you suggest like they need to focus on if they're getting a balayage done and they need to not only upkeep their hair but the root smudging and all that so what what should they what's their maintenance upkeep like with that
1: Right. Well, I think I think it's really important to definitely use the right shampoos and conditioners, make sure that it's color safe. Um, If you want the color to last longer, I think it's important not to wash it every day, because if you wash it every day, it's going to, you know, that toner and that root smudge, everything's going to go away quicker than if you can kind of stretch that out a little bit. Um, But also to just use the right shampoo and conditioner and not not use drugstore brands that are just going to strip that color out of your hair. Um,
0: the whole and leave ca- a waxy buildup for the yeah, next time you get it done. Exactly,
1: the at-home care is really important, and I always um, I emphasize that a lot.
0: Yeah, especially those ends. You know, we've had a lot of people come in. Uh, not a lot of people, but we've had people come in and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to buy any of the products," and then they come back a couple of days later and they're like, "Okay, I'll get them because." They they highlight, you know, we got we did the ombre, we did the balayage for the first time, and their hair is freaking out, you know? And so it's like, you know, you just got to hydrate those ends. then they'll Yeah, be happy. And absolutely. Then they, then they're and they're like, want... oh my gosh, it's so much better now. Thank you.
1: Right. So after you've done a service like this, y- your hair is different now, and you need to take care of it differently <laughs> if it's the first time. So, you know, you definitely need something, um, a shampoo and conditioner that's specifically made for for damaged hair or compromised hair in any way, just to add protein back into it, um, to add hydration. So you want to make sure that you're definitely, you know, it's just not going to work if you're not using the right stuff in between.
0: For sure, for sure. So, okay, so how did you learn how to do these services? Um, I'm assuming you had to take extra education classes. So where did you go? Where did you learn to do these services and what do you continue, you know, what are you looking to continue to do to keep up with, to keep up with this skill and all these, all these different services that we got to do?
1: Right. Um, absolutely. So I've been to a lot of different classes. Uh, like I said, I did, I apprenticed for a long time. I worked under other people. I, I've been to, I've been to numerous classes and worked at salons where we had people come in and teach us new techniques, that sort of thing. Um, So that continuing education is really important, but, and also something that we have at our fingertips now is the internet and, um, like behind the chair has all of these webinars, uh, that type of thing that people can do and kind of watch and then look back at it, um, and I'm, I'm one of those people who can just like, look, watch someone doing something. I'm not so great at listening to someone speaking about what they're doing, but watching, <laughs> but, but watching someone do it and then being able to repeat that is pretty, it just comes pretty naturally for me. So I'm able to kind of use webinars and that type of thing on the internet a lot, um, just and be able to see it and then repeat it on my client so that I don't lose it.
0: Yeah. You know, and I, and I think one thing is, is that, cause that's, that's rare, Nikki, that's rare. I mean, to be able to watch somebody do something and then to go and be able to perform that skill, like that's a rare skill. Most people, cause our, our owners like that, but a lot of people, like, I know I'm included in this. You have to get your hands in there and do it. And like, I, I just, what I would suggest for stylists is just be self-aware. Like if you If you are watching it and then you're going to perform it and it doesn't look the same, you may need to do more practice and you may need to be the one who's got to do a lot of hands-on before just rocking and rolling. So that, I mean, that, that, and that's a credit to you because that's a very rare trait, I feel like for a lot of stylists is just to watch and be able to perform. So that's, that's awesome.
1: Everyone has like a real, everyone has a different learning style, obviously. Like that's what. That's what works for me. But the other thing is I'll watch it over. If I download a webinar and I pay for it, I'm able to watch it over and over again. And it just gets drummed into my head. And I'm very much a visual learner. So I am able to just take that and use it and kind of create the same thing carefully, of course, I'm not going to like try it. I'll usually try it for the first time on my sister. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, no. I watched it once. Uh, I'm ready to open up clients. Let's charge $500 for the thing I've never done before.
1: No, absolutely not. No. And I would never advise that. Um, no, I, that would be terrible. I usually, I usually try it on family members first or like my really good friends. I'm like, I learned this new technique and I want to try it. And they always let me and it always yeah. comes out. It, it always works out really well. So
0: that's good. No, that's good. You got, you always have to have a couple, not dummies as in bad people, but dummies as in like a mannequin. Oh some yeah. Those, get, are, those Some people are making, get live mannequins and some people get fake mannequins. Oh,
1: I'm all about the, <laughs> I'm all about the live mannequins. Like I will, rec- <laughs> I will recruit people all day for me to try new techniques on their hair.
0: Nicole, this was so awesome. I thank you so much for coming on. I hope it was a good experience for you.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Uh, Again, you can find Nikki on Instagram at Nikki Wildflower. N i c k i Wildflower. Uh, You co-own a space with uh, a friend of yours, which I think is extremely cool. And I'm actually, I'm hoping to have her on because she said you said that she does more editorials and stuff, which I think would be a really really interesting topic to talk about. So if she's ever open to it, let me know.
1: Oh, I'm sure she would be open to it. (laughs) I definitely definitely think she would. I think she would love it. Um, Uh, She's a really cool girl, so...
0: And, and as always, you can find uh, hairdo, hair underscore do underscore salon and email the show at uh, hairdo uncut at gmail.com. Uh, I am Paulson J. Healy at Paulson J. Healy on Instagram. Uh, again, Nikki, this was awesome. Uh, hopefully, you this was positive enough to come on for other topics that we'll have in the future because uh, I thought you were fantastic.
1: Well, I would love to. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Thank you. Have, make it a great hair day, everyone.